Empower Radio presents Art as Worship with Vanessa Lowry. Welcome to Art as Worship. Each week we feature stories of artists and explore their process of creation. I'm your host, Vanessa Lowry, and I'm thankful that you're joining me. On this show, I talk with artists of various faiths, working in a wide range of mediums, on the common theme of how they use inspiration and creativity as an expression of their spirituality. Learn how their art is an expression of their own connection to however they name God, Jehovah, Allah, Source, the Universe, the Great Mystery, or something else. My hope is that these stories will inspire your creative efforts and your own spiritual expression. My guest today is Matt Jenke. He's a glassblower. He loves the medium, the craft, and building the equipment. Matt has been on one mission for nearly 20 years to expose and promote the art of glassblowing throughout the Southeast. Upon upon arriving in Atlanta in 1986, Matt discovered that there were no glassblowers and therefore no studios to work out of in the metro Atlanta area. He decided he was going to blow glass in Atlanta even if he had to build a shop himself. In 1990... He moved his family back to his native Ohio and his alma mater, Kent State University, to attend graduate school on a teaching assistantship where he received his master's in glassblowing. Returning to Atlanta in 1992, Matt built a glassblowing studio in his basement. And then in July of 1996, Matt and his wife, Kim, opened Janky Studios, Atlanta's first glassblowing studio. Matt and Kim run an open studio with the mission to expose and promote the art of glassmaking throughout the Southeast and to provide a means for other artists to practice their craft. Janky Studios is Atlanta's premier glassblowing studio, and virtually all of Atlanta's glass artists have been active in Janky Studios over the years. Welcome, Matt. How are you doing? Oh, it's so great to have you here today. So can you tell us a little bit about how you got interested in the art of glass? Well, I think uh, I started at Kent State University, and they got a great, great glass program there. And my sister was a art professor there. So she uh, kind of encouraged me to um, apply for an art scholarship. And uh, she had a lot of friends that were teaching at the university. And I just took it as an elective uh, and got uh, jewelry. I took jewelry making. Uh, glass blowing, and my sister taught weaving, and I made a bunch of crazy artwork in those three classes and got an art scholarship. So, so were you always an artsy kid? Um, I think my whole family was kind of artsy. My dad was a printer, and uh, my mom was um, uh, pretty creative. She sewed a lot, and she was a telephone operator. So I think it was a lot of just... Uh, uh, hands-on, crafty, uh, creative people that I came from. So So at what point did you start thinking of yourself as an artist? Uh, I think that once I um, applied for the art scholarship and received it, it kind of took it to another level for me that I had to really apply myself and work to achieve you know the scholarship there was a lot of responsibility with that so but i was also having a lot of fun too so i had a lot of time to be creative and explore different avenues with my artwork and the jewelry and the glass at the university undergrad level so and so i know that you started out your career as a jewelry maker and then shifted over into glass so what what made that shift for you 
Well, uh, I kind of minored in glass. So what happened was my father, you know, he was a blue-collar type guy, and uh, once he found out I was going to be an artist, he was pretty, not upset, but he was like, well, that's it. You know, you're going to have to support yourself doing your art, you know. So then I... Uh, was like the Jamaican guy on campus. I had like five or six jobs, and <laughs> <laughs> one of them was being on the grounds crew, and I was picking up garbage early one morning in front of the glass shop, and Henry, I've known him since I was like 12 years old. He's the glass professor. He's like uh, the grandfather of glass, and him and Harvey Littleton started or the art glass movement in America. But he uh, came to the studio. I was picking up garbage, and uh, long story short, he asked me what I was doing. I said, oh, I'm picking up garbage. And he's like, well, we're going to get you a better job. You know, I said, cool. He said, come to me in my office. He wrote a letter, took the letter to the art director. The art director told me to go to the dean. The dean said, congratulations, you're the glass shop, the new glass shop technician. So I got the opportunity to work 20 30 hours a week in the glass shop along with working in the jewelry studio and assisting my professor uh, Bruce Metcalf he's a uh, world renowned jeweler and a scholar he writes a lot of books on, uh, on the history of crafts and um, that's how I got into the glass. So. so it's good to have connections, people looking out for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely uh, I had uh, some opportunities put in front of me that uh, a lot of people don't have. Well, and I know one of the missions of your studio here in Atlanta is that you have helped a lot of other glass artists get started and become more proficient at, at their craft. So how did, how did that, you decide that that was going to be an important part of the studio? Well, I think, you know, as far as uh, starting out, you know, there's, and we were talking about opportunity, people have taught me and like, we're really giving of their knowledge, you know, not just not with glass, but jewelry also. So um, I think that, you know, I come from the school that, uh, you know, you teach people the craft and then you become an artist. So a lot of... Uh, I've had some really good mentors that gave their knowledge and their experience to me, and I try to pass that along with the same kind of philosophy. And um, have have had some success as far as uh, passing it on to different individuals that have gone on to uh, make glass and jewelry. So. Well, and my impression of glass blowing is that it's not so much an individual craft as it is that you do it in group with groups of other people. That you have to have other people around you and helping you as you create your your art. Is that is that true? It gets pretty yes, yes. The more complicated the piece of glass, the more uh, people you need to bring in to help you work on it. You know, it's like a a, a, a team effort. So. So I'm curious about the way that you um, come up with the ideas of what you're going to create and how you create it. How do you get your ideas? Uh, I think it's more an evolution, you know, of different things that you experiment with and kind of notice and are aware of when you're uh, during the process. So, and uh, 
I think it grows, you know, like the different pieces. It's always, the glass is always moving when it's hot. It's always changing. So it's a great medium to just keep learning and experimenting with because the pieces always change. So your work's always constantly changing. So So when you start with a piece, do you have just an overall idea of what you're going to create? Pretty much, you know, a lot of times you just have to be accepting of what what you have, you know, so, but um, it always looks good, you know, when you're thinking about it, but (laughs) when it, when it cools down, you take a step back at it, you know, I think that's the part of being motivated is that you see the, how you can make it better or how you could change it to make it more uh, attractive or interesting or use a different quality of the glass in a, in a, a more appealing way, you know, or how you could get your idea across better to the viewer, you know. So I, I know a lot of artists have some sort of a process or a ritual or a procedure they go through to kind of connect into divine flow or to connect into the zone where they feel they're most creative. Do you have any way of doing that? I wouldn't say it's a, it's a you know, it's not like... A, I know I, I play like ice hockey and uh, involved in sports, you know, and we've always, you know, like before the big game, you take the, 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 get in a circle and hold hands and say the Lord's prayer. It's nothing like that, but uh, <laughs> we, you know, I think it's just more of when you start a piece of glass to, you know, it's more of um, communicating with the people that are going to help you to make sure that they know what you're going to make. So first of all, you have to have a vision or a picture in your head, you know what I'm saying, of something that uh, you could communicate with to another person, uh, another teammate. And then uh, it's just a matter of execution of uh, communicating that idea and transferring it through your hands into the material. So when you're commuting, communicating that idea to your teammates, is it more of a verbal communication or is it, do you sketch things out or how do you communicate that idea? A lot of, a lot of times we'll, I'll start, you know, privately just sketching, drawing, doodling, you know what I mean? And developing an idea or a technique and then, or a shape or a form. And then we'll go into the studio and then we'll either draw it on the, um, the floor with a piece of chalk or I'll show them a drawing on the sketchbook so what's the biggest piece of glass that you've created uh we've done a few large scale sculptures with multiple pieces so uh, we did a a sculpture a steel sculpture combination of steel and glass at the block lofts and then we did a commission piece uh well the the block loft piece is probably about 12 14 feet tall and it's a cast glass and combined with steel. And then we did a commission piece for uh, Sweetwater Brewery that hangs in their lobby. That was uh, to promote their 420. So we brand a beer and we melted down or reconfigured, redesigned 420 beer bottles to hang oh, in, wow. a, in a chandelier, so about 30 feet in the air. So that was kind of fun. It's challenging to be creative. So. so when you work on a commission piece like that, what is the process like for you? I mean, what is what does the client come to you with, and what do you? How do you work through that? They usually come with me and and say, "Look, we got this space. We need this, you know, uh, 
configuration of pieces or these colors and then uh, I'll give them some different concepts to you know present uh, some ideas that I have right off the bat and uh, they might say, well, I don't like that one, you know, or, you know, that's great, you know, or it's a combination of uh, multiple ideas. So, but uh, I think that, the, you know, it's about more communication. I, that's what I learned in the jewelry business is that, uh, you know, it's about designing things, you know, and then executing the design that people uh, define them sometimes you know it's not just about you it's about what other people look at also and appreciate so well and my my background is graphic design and i know as a graphic designer sometimes my sketches and doodles i think are going to be really cool and then when i execute them they turn out completely different so do you find that that's a challenge when you're working on a commission piece that what you talk about then once you get into the studio it it shifts yeah, I mean, there's the things are like, you know, the things are constantly changing. So, I think the the best thing to do is just to be kind of uh, uh, flexible. You know what I mean? And uh, with an accepting of the the different changes that can happen during the process. So, how does your spirituality find expression in your art? Uh, I think that. You know, the major part of it is a motivation, you know what I'm saying, on a, on a continuous daily basis to, to uh, be driven to, to make the glass and make glass art, you know, and be an artist. So, because it's not always easy. And you, and you have those days where things don't work out, you know, so. So have you ever had a time that you thought, I'm not going to do art anymore, I'm going to do something else that is easier? I don't, you know, I think maybe a few years ago, I, you know, maybe 10, 12, 13 years ago, I didn't really fully appreciate uh, what I did. You know, I mean, as far as my skill level and the, the different things that I could make, you know what I'm saying? I didn't think of it, well, like God gave me this gift, you know what I'm saying? I thought... You know, it was just something that I always did. And it was, I approached it more like work, you know what I'm saying, versus a true talent, you know what I mean? So, but I had the, you know, I don't know if it was what happened, but I think I'm more, I became grateful of it. You know, it was like a curse that, you know, I thought of it like, oh, I got to go do this, you know. But then I started thinking of it, well, you know, that's not a very good attitude to have, you know, <laughs> <laughs> especially when I could do it with my eyes shut and 10 times as good as anybody else. I mean, I'm not being, you know, but it definitely came a lot easier for me than a lot of people. Well, and I think so. we all have strengths in our lives. So things that are really easy for us, I think we do often discount. And so that's wonderful that you came to a realization that not everyone could do that and this was a special gift that you had do you still do some jewelry work as well oh yeah 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 i'm i uh you know i love making jewelry but it's real static you know it's real it's more concentration there's more it's really you're all up in your head you know what i'm saying and it's you're totally focused you know so 
Well, and the demonstrations I've seen of glass blowing, it always seems so fast that that the decisions of what you're going to do and when you're going to do it seem like they have to happen really fast. Is that is that a mindset you have to get into? It's, it's somewhat controlled chaos. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I like I like to create chaos every once in a while. You know, everybody tries to control everything. You know, so and. You know, so what, I, what's the benefit of creating chaos occasionally? Uh, you never, I mean, it's, it's totally spontaneous, you know, so you could either, it could either go really bad or really good, really quick. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and at your studio, you do classes for people that are, have never done glass before. And then you do a lot of mentoring work with artists that are interested in glass. So how do you, how do you start out with somebody that's never, done anything with glass how do you teach them the the beauty of glass and how to how to embrace that well the first thing i do is make them pick cullet for about two hours (laughs) (laughs) that's the worst job in the shop (laughs) and tell me what that is that's like sorting the broken pieces of glass out that we recycle and do they have to sort it by color just clear and color yeah then you get it stuck in your fingers and you cut yourself and you have about 200, 300 pounds of it you have to pick through. So, so that's just to see if they're serious or not. If that's they can, right. If, if they can if stick they there. Make it, if they make it by that, then they could come uh, stand in front of the furnace for a little bit. So, so when, when you were uh, mentioning earlier about the commission piece you did with the beer bottles, so when you have colored glass that you start with, is the piece that you end up with going to be that same color, or can you sh- change that? Well, we got the the we have different. There's all different ways to color the glass, but we start out with a uh, crystal in a tank, and then add the color with different fritz and powders and rods. And that it's the same techniques people have been using since you know Egyptian times. You know. So. And so when you're working from from recycled glass. Can you change? Can you shift the color of that glass that that you're working with? Well, we just it's just all an additive process. Okay. So like, there's different recipes and batches of glass, so it all has to be the same batch or the same recipe and have the same coefficient of expansion and contraction. So it gets more in the chemistry than you just looking at glass and saying, oh, I'm going to take all that and melt it together. So there's a lot of chemistry and physics and uh, engineering involved in it. So so I think probably a lot of people don't realize that there's so much engineering and chemistry that goes into that. If, if you come down to the studio and, and, and see what goes into it, you know, the, 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 the furnaces and the, what goes into it, you definitely have a different appreciation, especially if you take the class. So. So describe a little bit about the classes that you teach for people that are not, that don't know anything about the glass. It's all, you know, we'll start out by going through the whole studio and we will uh, explain the processes and the tools and all some of the techniques, you know, the basic ones. And it's all hands-on learning. So, and, uh, you know, you definitely, once you uh, try it, and uh, get a gather, you definitely have a different appreciation for uh, uh, seeing the show on PBS or going to the uh, Glass Museum in, you know, Chicago at the Art Museum. You, you know, you see these pieces of glass and you know what goes into it, you know. So do you have a favorite um, 
type of thing that you like to make with glass? Yeah, I think the more sculptural objects and the things that are more complicated and uh, things that involve uh, different techniques. And I noticed on your website that you all do a lot of awards for companies out of glass as well. Yeah, yeah, we do a lot of different sculptural awards. You know, it's just not your, you know, cut out piece of flat glass that's sandblasted and etched. So we've done uh, some awards for the minority health uh, in uh, Washington, D.C. That was a, a nice award. So, so how has um, your art affected your spiritual evolution or how has your spiritual evolution affected your art? I think that uh, my art is just a, a you know my spirituality is more a, a perception of of uh, what I do. You know what I do is I'm a glass blower, but I think that you know my spirituality and what it just has grown over the years and is. A combination of a lot of experiences that I've had, uh, not only making art, but other life experiences too. That uh, being per- the persistent of wanting to make things over and over and use that talent that God gave me. Well, and I know your wife Kim is an integral part of your studio, even though she's not a glass blower herself. So, how has that been to have this this business of art that you're really your whole family's involved in it's sometimes it's difficult and sometimes it's uh seems like it's a match made in heaven but uh, (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's nice to have the support you know i think a lot of people have a uh, a vision or a dream or something they want to do but i'm i feel pretty blessed to be able to support my family and do something I love and have the support of them also. Well, and you were mentioning earlier about your dad not being so happy when you went into an art- artistic career. Um, and that your children have are pursuing different forms of art. Um, so how has that been different for them growing up in an artistic family versus when you were growing up in a family that, while you did a lot of art, wasn't really as supportive of the art that you were doing? Well, I think that, you know, just being open-minded, you know, to to let them have their own experience, uh, I think that's what I've learned from it. You know what I'm saying? Trying to give them the space to explore and, and develop their creativity. Well, and I am fascinated that you have such a community outreach with your studio, that you have so many opportunities for people to you know, view the glass making or come and participate in a class that can be a birthday party or can be, you know, just a single event type of thing. At what point did you decide to make it so expanded to bring people in to expose them to glass? Um, I think from the very start, we opened the studio. It was a matter of, uh, you know, not economics, but uh, one way to, to, pay the gas bill is to teach so (laughs) and then i think that it just grew from that you know and then uh teaching i really enjoy teaching uh and uh sharing it 
my knowledge of what I know about glass and making things and jewelry with other people and to see them enjoy it. So, And I know you've actually done some teaching with some of the universities here in the area. Are you still, do you still teach we, with the universities as well? Yeah, I was an assistant professor at Georgia State in jewelry and then... Uh, they shut down the program there, and then I focused in on doing classes at uh, our studio. And we do classes with the Atlanta College of Art and SCAD, and uh, we did them with Kennesaw State and their continuing education department. So, And then we have different groups from different museums that come in and design firms. And uh, we're taking the trailer to the LaGrange Museum uh, in October. And so. so you'll be set up and people can co- that are coming to the museum can see? The portable unit, yes. It's like a portable glass shop. It's not as fancy. Corning Museum has a, a semi-truck trailer glass shop that's like the Mac Daddy of all mobile glass facilities. But yeah. <laughs> uh, ours is kind of a simpler uh, operation, so... So how often do you go to different places and take your portable unit to uh, set up? Probably about five or six times a year we go out into the community. Well, it sounds like you have a, a variety of things that you do in conjunction with the studio. We stay busy. Yeah. <laughs> so tell our listeners how they can find find out more about Janky Glass and, and buy some of your great work. Okay, we're at uh, Janky Studios uh, at the Studioplex and our... Uh, Website is jankystudios.com, and you could uh, reach us at 404-584-0305. And spell janky for, for people. J-A-N-K-E. So what is the background of your of your last name? Uh, German. German? Yes, yeah. So um, I, I love that you've been able to share with us so much about the glass is there any last thing that you would like to leave with our listeners about how they can expand their own creativity and connect that to their spirituality? Oh, I would just say if you have a, 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 a you know, a dream or a vision, it's just to be persistent and, uh, you know, don't let the obstacles get in your way, you know, just go around them. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, was noticing on your website that you do birthday parties. Can you just give us a little description of what a birthday party looks like if people come to do glass? Well, if there's alcohol and beer involved, it usually is a little messier. But <laughs> <laughs> if there's cake and ice cream, it's usually pretty good. But now we 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 have uh, all ages of of different parties, and uh, you know some. But uh, people come in, and we set up uh, you know a table, and and um, they usually uh, kind of get a full experience of the glass blowing experience in about two or three hours and and walk away with making a flower some paperweight or a sculptural object or a tumbler so how many people can you have at a party most of the time it's anywhere from uh, 12 to 15 20 people so okay and is there a minimum age that you well you know when, when the kids start getting a little you know under the age of six six and nine is probably about the minimum because you're dealing with molten glass. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that the, that hot stuff sticking onto anybody. That's right. That's great. Well, Matt, tell tell our listeners one more time how they can get a hold of you and find uh, you. We're at uh, Janky Studios, 
and we're at uh, the studio plex uh, close to Inman Park, and uh, we're at 659 Auburn Avenue. And, and that's in Atlanta. Atlanta, Georgia, 30312, and we're right uh, uh, down in the old Fourth Ward. So, And folks can actually come to your website and buy pieces online and have yeah, them Yeah, we have an online store and some stuff online, too. So, And they can always call you for commission pieces. That's right. Big commissions. We like big commissions. Big commissions are good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you to our listeners. I welcome your suggestions or comments on this or any of our shows. You can find links to all of our shows on Empower Radio and on our website, artasworship.net. Please come and share your stories of Art as Worship on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash artisworship, or suggest an artist that we should interview. Listen in next week as we talk with another artist about their creative process and how it connects with their spiritual journey. May you have an inspired and creative week. Namaste. Namaste.